Welcome to the show. Here's my dad. On this episode of the Infant Adoption Guide podcast, we welcome Angela Magnuson of Bethany Christian Services as we talk about adoption and getting ready for school, what you need to know. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Infant Adoption Guide Podcast. My name's Tim Elder, and this is the podcast all about domestic infant adoption. And if you're a faithful listener or the first time you're listening, we welcome you and thank you for joining me. Today's a special episode as we are sponsored by Bethany Christian Services. They are a full-service Christian nonprofit agency with locations in 36 states. They've been helping families adopt since 1944. And they can help you create an option plan that is right for you and your family. They'll be there to support you every step of the way. And as you'll find out in today's episode, even through post-adoption support services, because the journey does not end when your adoption is finalized. They help families, adoptive parents, adoptees, the entire adoption triad. And I invite you to check out some adoption stories and learn how you can get started over at bethany.org forward slash infant adoption guide. Okay, so this is a podcast about infant adoption. So today's topic may sound a bit off from the norm, talking about adoption and getting ready for school, but I really don't think so. For one, I think you know any parent or parent-to-be needs to understand how to deal with the adoption conversation, especially when it comes to school or preschool or daycare, because not all teachers, daycare providers are educated about adoption. So parents really need to take the lead to help them, which can help our children, will help our children. Parents shouldn't just give all the personal and detailed descriptions of your child's past and their adoption stories. Leave that for them to tell. But giving them some information will help the teacher provide a much better environment for your child. So anyway, today's topic, I mean, we're going to cover a ton of topics about uh, handling adoption questions from other kids and parents and how to deal with school projects like a family tree or just how you talk to your children when other kids ask them about being adopted and so much more. So our special guest is Angela Magnuson. She is the lead post-adoption consultant for Bethany Christian Services and their post-adoption contact center, which is a national resource for all members for, of the adoption triad, as we'll talk about in the interview. And she is a licensed professional counselor, so she's completed Rutgers University's adoption certificate program and has been trained in trust-based relational intervention through the Karen Purvis Institute of Child Development, and she's just awesome. She's passionate about post-adoption support. I think you're going to learn a lot from her, as I did, and let's just get right into the interview right now. Let's go. All right, our special guest on the show today is Angela Magnuson of Bethany Christian Services, their post-adoption contact center. Welcome, Angela. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks so much, Tim. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Excited to have you today because it's a topic that we don't get to cover very often on the Infant Adoption Guide podcast, but it's all about post-adoption and this one particularly to do with uh, getting ready for school. It's that, that time of year and some of us uh, have kids that are going to school. Some of us may be just starting the adoption process. Uh, some of us may have just adopted. So I wanted to just reiterate to everyone that this this topic, this post-adoption topic does affect us all. Um, even if you're just considering infant adoption, um, thinking ahead about what kind of post-adoption support you may need and things you may deal with is very important to talk about now and get it in your head. And we can talk about, Angela will discuss that a little bit more as we go. I just wanted to kind of bring that out right away in case you go, well, wait a minute, getting ready for school, this ain't for me. Uh, it is, and we'll get into that, and I'm sure you'll be enlightened by a lot of the stuff that uh, Angela shares today. 
so actually one more thing I wanted to say, I guess is more than just going to school, um, your kids could be going to a daycare environment and that also could affect the things that you run into as far as, um, caregivers and even other children, obviously it's, you're going to be, <laughs> the kids are going to be much younger, but you still want to deal with it, especially when it comes down to positive, using positive language. And you may have heard that before. Positive adoption language means choosing your words, choosing words that show respect for the, adopt, the adoptee, for birth parents, for even the adoptive parents. So I'd like, Angela, if you could just define uh, even more, like, or maybe even choose some of words that mean that are the positive adoption language that we should be using so we can help others to use it as well. Right, right. So um, there are a lot of articles and blogs out there that um, can get in, get into a long list of, of different words and, and phrases, but, um, you know, the common ones that we, that we still hear today, um, you know, we still hear parents and even children saying uh, real parents versus mm-hmm. birth parent or first parent. Um, some people uh, talk about, um, or some people list natural parent, but I honestly have never heard anybody say natural parent. Um, it's usually real or, or it's biological or first or, or birth parent. So, um, so to clarify, you know, you typically with, with foster care adoptions, I'll just clarify that, with foster care adoption um, with older children, they commonly had a relationship with their biological parents. So we tend to say biological parent with foster adopt kids. Um, but for domestic infant or even inner country, we typically use birth parent. That's the respectful language to use there. And, you know, we also hear people um, say, you know, this child was given up for adoption um, or even placed for adoption. And, and that, you know, that language is, is outdated for many reasons. And we get into the, you know, the history of that. But, but nowadays, it's, it's the positive language is to say uh, their birth parent made an adoption plan. So those are the kind of the, the common ones. It, specifically with teachers and schools, though, um, and this is something you don't always see listed in some of these articles and blogs, is agencies and schools will use, you know, like adopt a highway or adopt a rainforest. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we really um, we really encourage people to not use adopt for objects and projects and um, because it just it minimizes the, the human experience of adoption. So I would say those specifically, uh, you know, probably apply most to, to, to schools and teachers. Yep, yep. I would agree with that. We've ran into that ourselves. Could you talk about the best ways? And I'm sure you've, you run into this all the time with your uh, post-adoption support center, I'm sure, uh, talking to people, and, and maybe you've answered this question. But what are the best ways that parents can talk to? I mean, it's not just talking to. It's kind of educating the teachers, daycare providers, other people in their lives about adoption. How, what's the best ways that they can do that? Maybe some tips on how they can do that. Well, I think, you know, when we're looking at, um, you know, daycare and, um, you know, even, even the, you know, the, the earlier elementary years, um, you know, maybe even just, you know, encouraging the teachers to, um, you know, read some, 
some children's books that are related to adoption that give you know send a positive message about adoption. You know, those are some some good ways. But as far as you know, like informing a teacher or school, you know, specifically on the side, uh, teachers don't often get adoption-specific training, but they are more aware and flexible than than they were many years ago. So before throwing a bunch of books and articles at a teacher, ask what the teacher knows so far about adoption, because they may they may know more than you think, and you kind of want to get their, their perspective first. You might want to ask about their methods for correcting behavior, um, and that might tell you a direction to, to go into. For example, um, you know, a teacher may say for you know, a child who's taught in class, I'm going to put them in the corner in the back of a room. You know, so with with adopted children, that can be very, very isolating, uh, you know, and feel like rejection and abandonment, which is exactly not the message that we want to send to these kids. It's not great for any kid, but it can be, you know, that much more impactful to an adopted child. So, So that might be an introduction into, you know, giving some education, you know, about adoption-related issues and ways to approach you know, correcting the behavior, you know, so instead of, you know, sticking that kid away, you know, maybe it's, uh, you know, have them sit up front, not necessarily away from other children, but, you know, closer to you where you can correct them quicker. So I, I, I think that talking with the teachers and talking with the schools first to find out what they know, and then go and then going from there. Um, I do think teachers appreciate any insight a parent can give on their child, adopted or not. So knowing ahead of time that there might be some insecurities or a great sense of loss over the teacher from last year that the child really loved or particular struggles with comprehension or processing, um, you know, those can be things too. All, all of that kind of information is, is helpful to a teacher. So you kind of want to gear it, one, towards, you know, understanding the school may know something about adoption, so don't assume they know nothing, um, but then also kind of your window in is to talk about your child's specific needs. Yeah, absolutely. We've done that, and it's worked out really well. In fact, we've had our, our daughter's had other kids in her class that have been adopted, so it's it's really helped us to be very upfront and then also discuss with them, like you said, whatever's going on in the, in the child's life. And you may run into other things like um, maybe the child, your child just was struggling with how to communicate or talk with their birth parents. Maybe it's been a while since they've talked with their birth parents, or maybe they have never talked to their birth parents and they were going to uh, during the school year or before school started or something like that. So I think that those recognizing those events, those kinds of things and letting your teacher know, their teacher know about it would be uh, also good um, so they can handle things if, if need be, or at least talk to you about them if they see something come up during the Right, day. right. Yeah, and you may want to talk with the teacher about, you know, you know, feel feel free to address this, or if you see this, mm-hmm. you know, maybe maybe let us handle that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know if I would empower the teacher to handle a, a bunch of situations. <laughs> I would rather them talk to us and let us deal with it. That's a good point. Right. So how should we change the way we talk to our teachers and and educate them um, about adoption based on our child's age or grade. So is it does it change like when they're going to the preschool or kindergarten versus later on in life? Well, I do. I do think it changes, and I think that parents need to pay attention to their child's their child's developmental age as well. So you know they might be 
you know, seven and going into second grade, but developmentally they may may be more like five, depending on you know what's you know what's happened in their life. So, so so that can throw um, a twist in things and sometimes make you know dealing with these issues a moving target, especially for teachers. So so I think that's an important message to send to teachers. You know, is to say, you know, you're you're looking at a child who's physically this age. Uh, but maybe emotionally is more this age. So, you know, if we could talk about, you know, targeting, you know, more the, you know, the emotional age and the developmental age uh, than the physical one. And that can be really, that's tough for parents, right? So it, it can be that much tougher for teachers who are surrounded by, you know, all these kids who are the same age um, and, and then feeling like they've, they've kind of got to, you know, tailor some things specifically, um, you know, for that adopted child. So there's that piece of it. But generally, younger children are super excited about their adoption. You know, they think it's, it's, it's awesome and it's cool and, they're, and, and they'll announce it proudly. <laughs> um, so, so, so the kid may tell the teacher they're adopted before you even ever get a, get a chance to, you know, true. depending on, <laughs> um, on what's, you know, what time you've had to communicate with the teacher. So it is helpful to give teachers a heads up, you know, like, hey, my kid is so excited about being adopted. And so they're going to go around, uh, you know, talking about it all the time. So, so sometimes just giving them a heads up about that. And then giving them some children's books, um, you know, to maybe read with the class along with their other books, just to help educate the other kids, too, without necessarily saying, you know, hi, this is Sarah, and she's adopted, and we're going to tell you her story. Um, That's certainly not the approach that we want to take. For older children, older children should be a little more in control about what they want to share about their story. So unless there are particular concerns you feel a teacher needs to know um, in order to be effective um, with that child, you should probably be letting the child decide when and and what to share. It's good for teachers to understand, too, that, you know, come adolescence, identity is is a major factor, um, you know, for adopted kids. It's major for any adolescent, but that who am I uh, question and figuring out where do I belong can be a little more consuming for adopted kids than than the other kids. So kind of just keeping an eye on who, you know, who are they who are they pairing up with or you know, are they, you know, are they making friendships, are they maintaining connections um cuz that can get more challenging for for adopted kids in their later years. And again, it depends on their background, right? Like you said, uh if they've had any contact with their birth parents through the years or not. Uh, that can play a part in it. If they, uh, if they feel more comfortable in talking to their birth parents, maybe they're, uh, if you have multiple children that are adopted, maybe their adoption situation uh, dealing or open adoption situation is different than their siblings. Their open adoption with their birth parents. So uh, the, all those things kind of come into play. We're kind of dealing with that as, as we speak. I am, or my wife mm. and I are. So that's why it kind of comes up to mind. And uh, I think it's wise to... Uh, Think about those things. Talk with your kids about it at home and uh, not get too deep into, um, like you said, sharing their story with the teachers. Because I think some people, I don't teachers are pretty good, but I think some people really get so curious, they just keep asking questions. Well, what about this? How did this happen? What, what are their birth parents like? What did they do? All those things you don't need to share. You know, you can share some, but like you said, I think the adoptee, your kids, 
it's their story to share, especially as they get older. Right. And I think, you know, you know, come, come middle school and high school when, when, you know, kids are having different teachers, sometimes they may form, you know, a, a tighter relationship with, with a particular teacher. And, you know, maybe that's the one, you know, maybe the coach, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's their German teacher, who, who knows, you know, maybe, maybe that's the teacher that, you know, they can go and talk to, um, you know, if they need to talk to someone in, during, you know, during school, you just want to make sure that as a parent that, you know, you and that teacher are in communication and, you know, the child isn't necessarily telling them something that they're not telling you and you want the teacher to encourage them to go back and tell, tell you what they're telling them. And, you know, you just want to make sure you're, you're teaming it well. Absolutely. Can you give us an example of that? Like what, how would that look? Maybe you've, you've had a story that you've, you've recently dealt with, with a child um, reaching out to a teacher or a teacher asking questions and having some communication there. Well, I just, I, you know, I know that I have worked with kids who, so maybe, maybe there hasn't been communication with a birth parent, um, and, and, you know, and they find them on Facebook, mm-hmm. um, you know, and maybe they, they start communicating, you know, with them through there, and then maybe they confide that to the teacher, and now the teacher's like thinking, okay, so you're, you're talking to your birth parent and your parents don't know, hmm. uh, you know, what's, what's that teacher supposed to do? do? You know, do they violate, you know, that teenager's, you know, confidence, you know, with them when they're not necessarily, it's not like they're doing anything illegal or necessarily dangerous, but obviously it's not something that should be happening without the parents being involved in knowing. So, you know, so that, you know, that might be, that might be the time to, you know, call in a parent teacher conference and, you know, and have a talk together. And, you know, maybe the school counselor needs to, you know, to be there to help, you know, mediate that, you know, that conversation. But because especially in adolescence, you know, uh, if there hasn't been an open relationship, you know, with the birth family or got lost somewhere or something, you know, adopted kids may feel, that it would hurt their adoptive parents if, mm. if they knew, if they right. knew I was talking to them or, um, and so they will try to shield them from, you know, from that rather than talk to them about it. So we want to make sure that those kind of, those kind of secrets aren't forming, you know, between, you know, the teacher, the child and, and the parents. So that's, that's brings up a good point with social media. You know, it's always a good idea to, especially as your kids get older and they get into more of social media, to talk to them about that and say, it's okay for, you know, you to share with me about what's going on. Um, or if you run across your birth parents or, or maybe even family members of your birth parents, you know, uh, mm-hmm. could be grandmas and grandpas or aunts and uncles or whoever. Uh, right. Always keep that open dialogue to make sure they are okay. They know it's okay to talk to you about it. Absolutely. So what would, say you're a first-time adopted parent or maybe, you know, you've just adopted or maybe you're just looking into adoption and going, whoa, what do I, this post-adoption stuff's kind of deep. <laughs> what <laughs> what do they, what would somebody like that need to know just so they can be a little bit proactive and not be taken by surprise about what's going on? What, what are the things that they should know in listening to this to kind of prepare for them post-adoption? Well, I do think, I think it's important to know that you're you're not going to know everything and remember everything that you ever got trained on. 
uh, you know, getting educated about it and living it is a whole different, a whole different story. So more, you know, most importantly, we want everybody to know, like, it is, it is okay to reach out and say, ah, is this an adoption thing? Or, you know, is there a particular resource for that? Um, That's exactly why this, this contact center exists. So I'll just say that off the bat. So it's it's really hard to prepare for for everything, um, but uh, so like I mentioned a little bit earlier, it's important to realize there's going to be a shift in a child's view of adoption. It's it's fun and special and awesome when they're younger, but understanding the concept of adoption as they get older means then facing you know the grief and loss that may surface. Even if there is a relationship with birth family, can it, that can still be there. Um, so they may get quieter about it you know, later in age. Parents should expect, especially with school stuff, parents should expect that children are going to say things that hurt your child, either intentionally or unintentionally. So be prepared to have conversations about, quote unquote, you know, real parents or your mom didn't want you, or even your adopted still gets used as an insult, you know, to, to children, you know, whether they're adopted or not, it's, it's still used as a way of saying you're weird or you're different or you don't belong. It's really frustrating. And I feel like kids aren't taught that, but they must learn it from somewhere. So, so that stuff is still, is still out there. So being prepared for those conversations be prepared too for prenatal trauma and substance exposure may have may have impacted the child you know early so for example a child with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder may appear much like other 5-year-olds but when second grade comes in now they're struggling with math and they're struggling with learning to count coins or come eighth grade, they're struggling to make friends because they still prefer to play things that that younger children do. So those are some ways to to be proactive, just to to keep on track and keep an eye on things that may come up later that aren't necessarily coming up when when the child's really young. Yeah, absolutely. I I agree with all that. That's very important stuff there. Uh, let it kind of sink in there's a lot of information out there too uh, about post-adoption support and things that you can do ahead of time and we'll share some of those resources here in a little bit what can we do like if you're dealing with your child and there may be something going on and you just don't know what it is maybe they're not telling you about it there's some kind of an adoption issue going on or you may think there is how do we identify those issues in our children, what they may be going through, even if they don't tell us about it, or especially if they don't tell us about it? Right. So so I encourage parents to, yeah, yeah I mean, obviously look for changes in, in mood or behavior and specifically pay attention to shifts in, in developmental stages. So if you just go and look at development, just, you know, Google developmental stages, you know, you can see that, uh, adopted kids sometimes will will have hiccups in those shifts, um, so that's that's very common. So those are some some common things, adoption related or not. You know, you know something's impacting your child, right? So for kids who tend to be uh, a little more bottled up, parents can say things like, 
I wonder if you're getting to the age where being adopted isn't as cool as it used to be. Or I wonder if you're noticing how your friends look like their brothers and sisters and, and you don't. Or I wonder if, you know, you're feeling like you're you're not fitting in or so sometimes for kids who who are feeling something and not necessarily expressing it just having their parents basically verbally give permission and and, and kind of give give them the words to say it's kind of like saying I think you're thinking this and and I'm kind of looking you to confirm it Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know and they may adamantly be like no you're crazy like what are you talking (laughs) about well okay well it just seems like something's up with you right so so I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I'm just throwing that out there because I want you to, you know, to be able to talk about it. That's still going to lead to a, you know, to a good conversation. So, yeah. So sometimes for those kids who aren't necessarily forthcoming, go ahead and give them the words. Just start with "I wonder." That's good. Good advice. Yes, I think I can use that actually right now. <laughs> good. <laughs> Uh, so let's talk about a little more at school, especially with school projects. And I think what comes to mind for a lot of people when you think about adoption and school projects are, oh, the family tree. And I don't mm. remember what grade it is when they start doing those kinds of projects, when they start breaking out and building their whole family tree and tracing their history of their family. But it can be a, a tough project for a kid that's adopted. Uh, they may not know how to deal with that and unless you prepare them for it, which I think is very important. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I think I think nowadays teachers are are pretty flexible and they're open to creative versions of, of family related assignments. Social workers and other adoptive parents have created some some printable trees with roots and family wheels, you know, you know that show you know the different members of the family and how they're connected. It's an opportunity to get really creative and and, and do something really cool with a project like that. And and I think that most teachers are are flexible with that, you know, especially if they do know ahead of time, um, you know, that that this may be an issue for your child. They're going to be welcoming of a conversation to say like, hey, this one's a little more complicated, (laughs) you know, for us. One, do do we need an extended deadline for this for this project? Um, And, you know, and just giving the teacher a heads up like ours is going to look a little different. If the children are also supposed to like stand up and talk about it, you know, maybe your child isn't necessarily comfortable standing up and, and, and talking about the whole tree and the roots and everything in front of the whole class. So maybe, you know, maybe getting a pass to not, you know, have to do a speech about it, um, you know, that they may not be ready to do. So, but yeah, I think that most teachers uh, anymore are pretty, pretty open and flexible and, and, and willing to do something with your child that's going to satisfy the project and make them feel included. I'm not a big fan of of kids just avoiding those projects altogether because I don't think that that's addressing the reality of they do have a family that looks different than other families, but everybody's got a family that looks different than other families. So we, we want kids to be able to embrace that, but teachers should be flexible and letting them do it in a way um, that's comfortable for them. Yeah, I agree. And and everybody's situation may be a little bit different, but I like to keep kind of a positive attitude about it. Like, okay, yeah, you're going to have a family tree and this is uh, mommy's side of the family and this is daddy's side of the family. And here's, you are adopted, so you have even more of a family. Here's your birth family side of the part of the tree. 
Uh, and it may not even be the roots. It just may be another part of the tree. You know, they're right. Just maybe another branch, right? <laughs> another branch. They're your birth family and you can identify as many family members that you, that you know about there. Uh, so I think I like keeping it positive and especially with open adoption. So prevalent this day, these days that, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's, it's easier to, to do in my view. Anyway, I know everybody's situation is a little bit different, but very good, good information there. How can, uh, families learn about more about addressing these kinds of challenges related to school projects, um, dealing with teachers, actually, and it goes beyond teachers too. I think some of the staff, even members of, cause you may have a helpers, librarians, other people within the school. How can families more prepare for that or what kind of resources, I guess, can you direct family to, to help them prepare for those things? Well, I know that, goodness gracious, there, there are several <laughs> websites. Ton, right? Yeah. What's, what's <laughs> yeah, your Yeah, there are several, several sites with, mm-hmm. um, you know, different articles and, and blogs and, and information for, for teachers. The Child Welfare Information Gateway, that's a mouthful, you know, has, has a lot of really great packets of information on, on a variety of topics. Um, yeah, and I don't think that teachers should be limited to, you know, you know, here's an article just about adoption and teachers in school. You know, I, I think that giving them, a, you know, a variety of things or things that apply specifically to the grade, you know, grade that they teach can be can be really helpful. I, I may be I may be old fashioned and maybe that's my training, but I'm still uh, I'm still a big fan of Kaplan and Silverstein's seven lifelong issues in adoption, those core issues still ring true today. You know, things are a little less intense because because of openness, um, and that has really helped to minimize some of the impact of things like, the, you know, the grief and the loss and identity and belonging and, and those kinds of things. But they're, they're still there. They're still core issues. And, and I think that even though that article was written in the 80s um, and some of the language is a little outdated those core issues still they give a lot of information in a very compact place so I think that that's that's something helpful for anybody who wants to understand some of the you know specific issues um, related to adoption but um, so in adoption.com has some some great articles creating a family has some some radio shows on on different issues there's there's so much education now out there it could probably be a little a little overwhelming right um so yeah so it's you know i'm i'm assuming that some of the people listening to your podcast now are just fans of your you know your podcast so you know if you feel drawn to you know um to this particular venue um then then go with that adoption today we're super excited adoption today now has made their digital subscription free so that's always something good for uh for families and if they wanted to purchase the subscription for the school (laughs) or for the teachers then then that might be something so those are yeah those are some different resources to to gain access to more information um i certainly wouldn't want to bombard a school with you know, 400 different websites, but um, if there are some particular, some particular topics that you know impact your child more than others, then, you know, then giving some information about those would be, would be helpful. Yep. And you listed some, or we talked earlier about pre, 
before the interview about some resources uh, like the Center for Adoption Support and Education. They have a book called Wise Up, Wise Up Book, Power Book. So that would be something good. Yeah, the Wise Up Power Book. So the Center for Adoption Support and Education that is based in Maryland, Mm -hmm. um, they years ago, um, they created this Wise Up Power Book. And, and you're going to test my knowledge here because I'm not going to remember what, what the letters stand for. But but WISE, so the W-I-S-E, it's an acronym for ways that children can talk about adoption in a way that feels comfortable for them. So when they get questions from teachers or parents or even other kids, I believe the W is is walk away. I is for it's private. S is for, I think, sharing. So, you know, if they choose to share some information. And then E is to educate. So, so for example, a child might say, you know, to a kid, yeah, but, you know, um, where are your real parents? That child might choose to say, we don't say real parents. Right. <laughs> you know, in my family, my real parents are my parents. If you mean my birth parents then that's what we call them. So I have my birth parents and then I have my parents where I have my birth parents and my adoptive parents, but everybody's real. So we don't use real. <laughs> so so yeah. that would be an, you know, that'd be a, you know, an example of educating. So, yes. so yeah, so that wise up power book is a neat way to, you know, to, to work with families on different ways that they can respond to questions and comments. Yep. Yep. I agree. And there's a, Oh, what is the NCFA, uh, gosh, National Council for Adoptive Families, is that right? Uh, it's a, it's adoptioncouncil.org, I think is the website. They also there's have... There's so many N's and A's and F's. <laughs> <What? laughs> you know, no, there's NACAC track. and there's NCFA and then there's... Yeah, NACAC. Uh, yeah, I think, it's, I, yeah, I think it is the know, National Council, Council for Adoption, I think it is. Yeah. For Adoption or on Adoption. Yeah. So they have a really uh, cool article I think you shared with me, too. It's called Back to School, A Guide to Making Schools and School Assignments More Adoption-Friendly. I think that was a really good article, too. I think it's, I'll share that in the in the show notes. I think it's worth, worth the read. Uh, it talks about, a lot about what we talked about today, but it goes on a little more depth, too, So and some different things to uh, look out for. So we'll put right. that in the show notes as well. I'd like you talked about Bethany's uh, post-adoption contact center that you, you are a part of and what types of services you guys offer, what you do for families. Okay, so the post-adoption contact center was created about, uh, I guess it was about four years ago. Bethany wanted kind of a one-stop shop for anybody who had questions or concerns or, or, or needed help post-adoption. You know, we certainly encourage Bethany families to contact their Bethany agency, especially if there's, you know, if they're still near them because they're going to know the, you know, local supports and resources. But, you know, families move away. Families, you know, people lose touch, um, you know, with their agency. I mean, if you're talking about, you know, oh, you know, we adopted 16 years ago, they may not re- know who they need to call, you know, to ask for help or to ask questions. So, so we wanted that you know, that place for the contact, you know, to be the contact center somewhere where they could call an adoption competent clinician, um, you know, not just, not just an intake person, 
and, and say, you know, I have this question or I have this concern or I'm looking for this resource, can you help? So it, the contact center is not just for, for Bethany clients um, and it's not just for adoptive families. It's for everybody in the triad. I talk with birth family. I talk with adult adoptees, you know, as, as well as adoptive families. So it's for the whole triad and it's nationwide. And typically what I'm doing is I'm consulting, you know, um, you know, well, we may have one phone call and I may give some suggestions. I may give some strategies on how to approach a, a, a school issue, uh, for example, um, or it, or they may be looking for a therapist or support group or, hey, do you know a good book on this, you know, good children's books, um, you know, to, to address this, then, you know, then I'm trying to connect people to, to resources and services in their area. So, so sometimes I'm a service detective and sometimes I'm kind of a mini, mini therapist on the phone. But beyond the contact center, um, I actually do parent coaching as well. So that's, um, that's kind of an additional service um, that the contact center has started doing. But as far as just, you know, calling me and, you know, getting some advice or getting some suggestions, that's, that's free to anyone who, who needs the help. That sounds like a big job. There's got to be more than just you there. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's 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 primarily no. I I work with I do work with a, a wonderful team, but you know most of the time most of the time it, it's me me handling the calls. So I'm happy to do it. I there love I love adoption. I love post adoption. So it's all I know, Tim. That's that's awesome. I'm, that's why we're having you on here. That's great. Can you tell the folks how to get a hold of you in the contact center? Absolutely. So uh, the toll-free number to reach me is 1-866-309-7328. Easiest to catch me between, you know, 8 and, and 5 Eastern time, but I can make evening hours available. It's just easier to schedule those. Uh, but I am also available up to 8 p.m. Eastern uh, to accommodate those who need to talk after work or West Coast people. And I can also be emailed at bcspostadopt at bethany.org, uh, and that will come to me as well. You can also reach out to us through our webpage. Um, I think it's uh, bethany.org slash P-A-C-C, which stands for the Post-Adoption Contact Center. And there's a little button at the bottom that says uh, contact us. Yeah, it's very easy to find, actually. If you go even just bethany.org and you start clicking around to adoption and support, it's, it's very easy to find that. And they have uh, all this kind of information about who can receive help, what services are offered, uh, what kind of concerns can be addressed, um, and, all, and, and how to contact them through the phone number and email address that Angela just gave out. So we'll also have this in the show notes. So don't be frantically, you're trying to remember what that eight, 800 number was. We will put that in the show notes so you can get to it uh, pretty easily. I know we covered a lot and we could probably go a lot longer because uh, post-adoption support is a big deal, but we want to really just address getting ready for school and kind of what you needed to know uh, as school is starting and the primarily the things that kids are going to deal with uh, as they reach school age and getting into school age and uh, what as new parents can even look out for 
as they uh, are raising their kids and preparing them for school. So thank you so much, Angela, for coming on. Is there anything else you wanted to address? Did we cover everything? I'm sure that we did not cover everything, but <laughs> but I think we that we did a decent job. If we didn't cover something, then people can reach out. Very good. Yes, there's like you said, there's a ton of information out there. We just kind of wanted to make people aware of this issue of getting ready for school and the post-adoption support and the post-adoption support center that uh, Bethany provides, which is a huge, huge service. I think any, anybody should take advantage of that because uh, it affects us all, it, whether or not uh, you've already adopted or you will adopt. It's going to affect us all. We need to know what to expect from others uh, when it comes to going to school or any kind of a daycare environment, those kinds of things, know how to handle those situations the best way for our kids. So uh, I really appreciate you coming on, and uh, thank you so much, Angela. Thank you. All right. Great interview with Angela from Bethany Christian Services. You know, post-adoption support is just an awesome topic and it does really does relate to all of us who deal with infant adoption. Even if you're just starting out, it is important to know and to get acquainted and understand what post-adoption support can do for you and why you need it. And I'm going to list all the resources and that we talked about today and in the show notes for this episode, which is at infantadoptionguide.com forward slash 49. And you can go there and also check out infantadoptionguide.com slash welcome. You can get my four free adoption books. So thanks for listening. Until next time, you're in my prayers. You go on the journey to build your family through infant adoption. God bless. Thanks for listening to my dad.